Well, as the great band the Beatles once said, let me take you down because I'm going to Strawberry Fields. Nothing is real. Uh, I think the musical version might be a bit better than my poetic um, reading of the lyrics. But, I mean, I think sometimes when we're sheltering in place and everything we're doing is very different from normal, it kind of feels like nothing is real. Um, doesn't it? I mean, like, uh, reference our reference our recursion episode, I guess, because real is reality real is kind of a kind of a recursive recursive question there. So, like, either nothing is real, or like something is real, or like everything is real. But all we know for sure is reality is real. Um, but the statement reality is real is a little bit circular, maybe a little bit recursive. Um, I mean, the word real is in the word reality. So yeah, it's kind of hard to define. Like I think the, the dictionary definitions, like I was looking up, it's like they use a bunch of words, but it's like, I don't know. It must be so hard to be a dictionary writer sometimes when you have to define a word like reality and you're like, what is reality? And then you just ask your friend, like, dude, what is reality? And they're like, you're crazy. And you're like, no, I work for a dictionary company. I need a definition. (laughs) Must be a weird job. I mean, I think, I think the best way to, to, to analyze like reality and things like that are through the lens of art and philosophy. I think those, those are two interesting ways to analyze those, those concepts. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll probably explore more about, like, what do we mean when we talk about reality um, throughout this episode from a couple of different angles, um, and hopefully you all guys enjoy. Um, So, for example, like, one uh, angle you could take um, to kind of explore reality is through art. Um, And I think that some of the appeal of certain, like, abstract and impressionist and modern types of art is that they focus on, like, what is real and, like, what are you surprised by? You know, they kind of focus on, like, I've been to, like, some kind of art museums in San Francisco and some, you know, different art museums, and, like, I think it's really interesting because if you think about it, the art's, like, not that weird. I mean, it is weird, but it's, like, it's weird because it kind of plays with your perceptions. Like, why did you sew together these old tires with brightly colored yarn to, like, make a sculpture? Like, that's not what a tire is for. A tire is for a car. Like, like it kind of like plays with like what you expect from reality, you know? Yeah. And there's more contemporary, contemporary art, but like the, the I mean, the, the, the expectations of what art um, is um, have changed so much um, what art should portray and things like that. And I think in the past, um, you know, over the past hundred plus years, um, artists have been exploring um exploring reality in a very interesting way whether that be playing with the different colors you use and the different geometric shapes you use to represent you know represent reality um you look at a lot of monet's work um i believe it's monet not manet i always i always mix the two but monet with his uh bridges um and you can see um if you if you look up the his series on on bridges you can see how over time and later in life, he really changed um, his art style based on his own um, perception. He had a he had a kind of a, I believe it's a visual or some kind of cognitive disorder um, involving vision that kind of made uh, made it difficult to see. So that that really changed his painting style. Yeah, and I think that 
you know, there's a great question of like, imagine you have a painting, two paintings of the same scene, like one of which is almost like a photograph, you know, it's like, it doesn't really bring any spirit or life into the painting, you know, it doesn't have any like good impressions of like, kind of the vibe of what's going on. But like, it like recreates all the details, like, you know, almost perfectly, you know, like, that's one painting versus other painting, maybe like, skims on some details, kind of like, uses some artistic license, but maybe it, um, you know, has a better expression and it expresses better like you know the mood of the crowd or like the you know the the peace of the sunrise over the water or whatever that sort of um kind of the spirit of the moment is in that scene maybe like a painting that doesn't depict it the like the details as well might still get that better um and i think a lot of what we're talking about art um if you guys are interested in going back to our episode on romance i think we um kind of talked a little bit about like changing styles of art um in like depicting realism versus like more of a romantic depiction of things. So I think like, like the purpose of art, I think that's, that's funny. Like, I think, you know, what people want art to be says a lot about like what people like, whether people want to see more of reality or less of reality or like, or reality know. in just a very different way. I mean, like yeah. you, art is just a fun way to play with reality. What? Hmm. Art, art is just a really interesting way to explore reality. As though a different, a different mode of of expressing what you perceive visually um, and emotionally too. And speaking of emotions, um, I decided to be completely cheesy and put this into our episode notes. But I think that of all the things that are real, I think one of the most real is love. Um, I know everyone's sighing and saying, "Oh, how cheesy!" But like. Everyone, you know, the little day-to-day things like not buying toilet paper or whatever those day-to-day things are, like, they are real, but, like, what's important about reality? And I think things like love are really important about reality. And I think love can also be platonic and stuff, but, like, I'm just going to shout out to my boyfriend who's long distance, kind of, right now. Long distance. We're both in California. Yeah, we're both in California, but we are being good citizens and sheltering in place. So yeah. we are not together, but we are recording a podcast together. So love is real and distance is not. What? QED. <laughs> QED. I'm okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, as you can probably tell from my really, like, awkward discussion of the meaning of love, like, I'm not a philosopher, so if you look up stuff about reality, there's plenty of articles that sort of use, like, very philosophical, like, technical terminology about, like, I don't know, the ontology of the metaphysical, the, the, like, I, I don't, I can't even begin to read these things. <laughs> did, mm. did, so, did you like, just pick two, like... Can. like I, I mean, I appreciate that you're, like, you know, talking about these deep questions for us. Like, for all of us, like, you know, people who don't understand what you're talking about, like, shout out to all the philosophers out there who, like, can discuss things like reality in, like, an actually academic tone. But that's not us. But I hope you still um, are staying with us. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I love that you pulled ontolo- on- ontological and metaphysical, those two words. It's just- just top top off uh, as many um, include as many philosophical <laughs> terms as possible. <laughs> just as one sentence. <laughs> I told you I don't study philosophy. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think I think you can still discuss philo- uh, philosoph- philosophical topics without necessarily having read like the great um, philosophers' works. Um, but 
I mean, uh, one thing that you and I were discussing kind of not, not too, not too long ago was kind of, um, I don't remember how we got into this. Was this because you had like the full list of questions, that long list of questions, uh, about philosophy? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, so there's a website where like, yeah, we were doing like, like a conversation starters website and there was like a 200 questions. And then it was like, there was like 200 funny questions, like 200 questions for your friend and like 200 have I, like never have I ever, or like 200, like, would you rather like all these lists? And then one of them was like 200 philosophical questions. Yeah. And then I remember like, yeah, we had a great date with that. Just like that going was- through philosophical questions. That was way too fun. That was a lot of fun. Um, maybe we can make an episode about about that. Um, but I think the, one of the questions was like, um, what is reality? Can we ever know true objective reality? Or what? I, I think that was the question. And you and I had a very interesting conversation. I know my perspective on this, um, and from my understanding, your perspective on this uh, were similar, but you you kind of added another, another layer to, to what I was saying was, um, we we discussed I think how we were talking about like objective versus um, subjective reality, if I remember correctly. Right, and I think that we discussed the, the idea of um, what does science um, what does science measure, what does science observe, um, and I was talking about how there is this um, there's a sort of I don't know as, as as I see it like there's there's absolute reality absolute. Um, being like removed or distanced from perception, um, because I mean everything. Things like, oh, like you know, we see color, but we don't actually see like the actual like wavelengths of light directly, or we don't actually see like. That's a perfect the example. Are and stuff like there's a lot about the structure of the universe that like like our eyes just kind of like don't even perceive in terms well, of like what we actually end up seeing. Is that what you mean? Well, yeah, that's that's a perfect example, actually, because what it, what it, um, I mean, with color especially, because the the physical world around us um, is what I would consider absolute reality. And as soon as um, any kind of um, any kind of information about that about that world enters our perception, you know, enters enters the realm of human perception, it's altered in some way, and we can we know this because there are, there are ways you can play with perception. There are all sorts of perceptual what they, what are oh, known as perceptual illusions. yeah optical illusions, perceptual gaps. Um, there are auditory illusions, all sorts of illusions that mess around with the way that we perceive um, these uh, what what I would consider absolute reality, absolute the absolute universe. Um, and that may not be how it is. It's kind of impossible to know. So I think the the role of science um, is to study what I would consider um, reality as filtered through our perception. Um, I don't think we can. Yeah. I think we. I think we can aspire to aspire to um, study and observe absolute reality um, outside of human perception. But ultimately, everything everything is observed. Everything is influenced by our perception. Yeah, so I think, like, um, I remember we kind of added kind of three overall layer, like, kind of different, like, levels, I guess, or, like, like versions, I guess, where, like, one is, like, um, kind of, like, subjective reality, where it's, like, you know, more, like, your personal opinions and stuff. And then there's, like, things that are objective, where, like, I feel like anything that you can measure using, like, scientific instruments and, like, be very, you know, um, 
very confident in your measurements. Like that's an objective reality. But then like this next level of like, you know, this, um, this absolute reality. So there's like the absolute reality that like really hard to measure as a person because like technically like, and I think some science experiments probably do get into the realm of measuring what absolute reality is in the sense that they use instruments that don't rely on human perception. So that's another thing, right? Because then what if the instruments themselves like have biases? I mean, I know human brains have a lot of biases and I think the instruments shouldn't. Um, but like, how would we know if we don't understand the true nature of reality? So like, um, I think there probably is some sort of absolute reality, but I'm like not sure whether that's even a term. I feel like that's like, I feel like that's one of those questions, like, is there a smallest building block of stuff? Where, like, they used to say, oh, the smallest building block is an atom, and we're going to call it atom because that means the smallest building block of stuff. When you break it down further into, like, you know, the protons and electrons and those into, like, I don't know, quarks and other little quantum mechanical things. So, like, I feel like the question you're posing of, like, okay, well, there's subjective reality, which is the realm of, like, opinions and preferences, right? Like, subjective, like, the subjective world or subjective experience versus, like, objective like you know objectively there is definitely a calculator on my desk right now because i can like show you there's literally a calculator objectively in reality a calculator on my desk versus like well it's not really a calculator it's just like a bunch of like atoms and bonds and like like once you go from like objective reality to like actual or like what do we call it absolute reality where you're talking Uh, uh, like when when we're going from like you know things that like we can perceive and, like, they can be agreed upon to be perceived by a lot of people, so they're probably real, at least from, like, a from like an objective versus opinion point of view. But, like, I think when you start asking the question of, like, what is absolute reality, I think you run into a, a similar problem to, like, what are the smallest particles? Where, like, you can just keep, like, pushing that boundary, you know? You can keep finding smaller particles, or, like, you can keep, like, figuring out things that are more real. I don't know, maybe not. I, I, like... It's it's just sort of a fun thing to kind of play with in your mind when you're bored, I guess. I mean, that, I guess it's yeah. I mean, these these thoughts only really pop into my head uh, when I'm not specifically doing something, which is I, I think kind of funny. Um, like you're so busy doing like the little things in in in, in during you know during the day in your life, and then the bigger questions are are, are for uh, when you have like. I guess what they're called, they're called a lot of a lot of times they're jokingly called shower thoughts because you usually think of these kind of things in the shower. But I mean, that's why um, philosophy is kind of interesting, and people who study philosophy is kind of I find that kind of interesting because I mean, their their work is studying questions that are at this level. I mean, science. A lot of scientists ask questions that are you know at astronomical levels. No pun intended. <laughs> um, but but. Um, but I think that's why perceptual science is so interesting, um, because it really studies the boundary between our perception and what I guess I would refer to as absolute, again, what I would refer to as absolute reality, or if there even is such a thing. Yeah, but I think... The working definition of, like, the actual reality that absolutely exists, like, like outside of, like, our own observational tools that we then filter it through. Yeah, and I mean, our our information about the world is only as good as our perception and our our tools for observation, which generally are just our eyes, ears, you know, the the typical senses. Um, yeah, if you're not talking about equipment, I think it is would just be your senses. But I think not only would it be um, what you're using to observe, but also what you're placing importance on. I think like 
what we focus on shapes the way we see reality. Um, like, you know, the, the, like the kind of the common wisdom that like, if you're thinking about something, then it'll appear up everywhere. Like, you know, if you're hungry, then suddenly there's restaurants everywhere or like, you know, if you're like preparing for graduation then there's like, you know, ads for grad photos or like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they're coincidental. Everywhere. Um, right, right. It's, so in some cases, like what you see as reality is like, well, reality includes, you know, a whole lot of pizza restaurants, like, well, cause you're hungry and so you're focusing on them. So it's like not only what you see, but then also like what you focus on to create that kind of impressionistic image that like maybe art can explain better than just like an observation of everything all at once. Yeah. I think, I think, I, I think there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of, um, well, psychology also obviously plays a, a huge role in that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. Like you're thinking about things, um, you think about things when they, you know, when they're, they're, they're kind of coincidentally there in your environment, um, or not in your, your environment. People like people often say like, you, you want something the most when you can't have it. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean that's what I think. I think reality is kind of interesting to study from different perspectives, and and not necessarily just from science. Um, I think there are a lot of it. It's 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 interesting to also study. I mean, I guess uh, study what what um, you know what different cultures view as reality and what the concept of reality is over over time. And you can kind of see this in, I guess, in 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 the in the etymology of the word reality, because um, I mean, uh, you take the word. Uh, the, I mean, it, it has a pretty simple etymology, um, you know, going from from Latin to Middle French to to French um, okay. and into English. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of words in English came from Norman French. Um, How do you pronounce? French is it still mean reality? How do you say rea- what does it mean in French? Yeah, well, so the middle French word is réalité. Um, and like, what's the modern French? Does it sound like that? I have no idea. I don't speak pretty, mu- pretty much. I mean, it was pronounced, probably pronounced slightly differently in, in middle French, but um, uh, but the word itself, like orthographically at least, you know, is it's spelled the same. It's spelled the same, but in in middle French, it seems to have meant something a bit closer to um or at least a a secondary definition of it has been um involving property or possession which i thought was interesting um i think it's kind of interesting because that's kind of where we get the term real estate um which i think is kind of interesting i don't know how i don't know how we got from latin you know the latin uh realitas um you know, referring to, uh, you know, something that, that has a characteristic of being real to, um, you know, uh, possession or property. Or, because then back in English and French, at least, or at least in English, it's like back to just meaning things that are real. Um, Right. Yeah. And we give a non-circular definition. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of interesting. I'm not quite sure that, I'm not quite sure where where that secondary definition comes from. Um, if it's something that really specifically evolved in, um, as a secondary definition during the time of Middle French, um, but certainly the definition that we that we have that we've gotten from from French um, and that we use in English, reality, you know, refers to what is real. I mean, 
so I think that, that I think it's interesting that there's there's that secondary definition there. I just don't know. I don't really know where exactly that came from, or if you know if if we have an actual, you know, if we actually know how that how that came to be. Well, that's a fun fact for our listeners is that the idea of the word reality kind of tied in for part of its history into the idea of possession. Um, that's definitely interesting. Um, and, you know, another thing that was really interesting was so my brother actually um, saved up and got himself a really nice virtual reality headset. Um, and, of course, when I came home to visit, I'm not home right now, but I came home to visit and... Um, he was like, you need to try this out. And so I tried out virtual reality. So yeah, I came home and, and I have to say, I was very, um, astounded and like scared. I don't know. Like there's something about like moving your head around and like not being where you are. But I think the scariest thing for me was like not having a body. Um, I found that to be very trippy. Um, and my family was very amused by my like freaked out reaction. Um, yeah, so that happened. Like, I don't really play, like, online games and stuff, so I hear that, like, in a lot of games, like, the the setup, like, means that, like, you don't, you know, you're kind of, like, moving around in the space, but you don't have, like, a body in the space, and, like, that's cool. I'm not used to that. So, as far as I was concerned, it was really terrifying and psychedelically weird, and just, like, being in, like, the VR, I wasn't even playing games, I was just in, like, the training room, you know? Or, like, I would pick up these ping pong paddles just to try to learn how to do things in VR. And I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm, like, like visually I'm, like, picking up a ping pong paddle. But then it doesn't feel like anything. And then the weirdest thing is, like, when you, like, hit a ping pong ball, you know, like, it's like there should be, like, a little thwack. You know, there should be, like, a little, like, you know, resistance as you hit it. You know what I'm saying? Like, just the experience of, like, interacting with things that, like, didn't, like, push any weight against anything they push against, like, with me. And then would, like, you know like, disappear as they left the little sphere of the VR. Like, dude, that was, like, it was so strange. Like, it was super strange. I think that's funny because I, I feel like I had a similar reaction, like, like just mentally. Like, I, I had a similar, similar like, wow, this is, like, really strange. When I first tried VR, um, it was pretty good. Um, and I was like, wow, like, what is... I was, I was like, going through the whole, like, um, what is reality thing, like if I lived my entire life in this VR set, like, you know, I, I, it was kind of trippy. Um, but I think my, my reaction, like, externally was was a lot more subtle. I wasn't, like, really freaking out as much as I was more just like, wow, this is this is really weird. Oh, my God. But I, I had I similar I like, thoughts, though. Weird. Oh, my God. I don't have a body. The thing just didn't go. Like, I was really like, oh, my God, I'm walking through a table. Oh, my God, this thing doesn't, like, have any weight. Like, I don't know. I was being, like, very, like, I don't know. Well, that's why, like, that's why I think... Excited and nervous about, I don't know, like, I was having all of the feels and all of the reactions, and my family was just looking at me, because then, of course, that was, like, right before dinner, and then we, like, got dinner, and then everyone's just, like, looking at me, like, oh, my God, Anita, like, are you okay? <laughs> like, what did we put you through? Like, is this really just, like, a little bit of, like, VR, like, intro, or is this just, like, like something terrible or like, something crazy? That's why I think you would have enjoyed, that you, you'd enjoy um, augmented reality, a little bit more than virtual reality. I don't know if you've ever used augmented reality before, or isn't that like Pokemon Go or something? Yeah, I mean that's yeah, yeah, it's similar to what it is. I mean, actually, Snapchat uses um, augmented reality too when you have all those filters. Um, augmented oh, reality. I'm not a dog. Wow. Yeah, because you're there. You're in the in. It's it just augments 
um, characters and and things and objects into what your reality already is. Um, so through your camera, usually. Um, and it's kind of interesting. Right. I, I really like augmented reality um, things. I used to have this app. Um, I don't remember. I think it's called Starwalk. I don't really remember what it is. But basically, it projects um, a map of um, an augmented kind of reality map um, through your camera onto the sky. And it tells you, based on your GPS location, where different stars and constellations are in your night sky from where you are. And I really thought that was, it was mind blowing. It was really, really neat. And I would go out like at night sometimes into the backyard and just point my camera up and see where the different constellations were. Obviously I live in kind of a, you know, in a, in a suburban area with a lot of light pollution. Um, so yeah, can't really yeah. see the, can't really see the stars very well, but, um, but it's kind of neat to use um, augmented reality. It actually has a kind of interesting use in education as well. Um, I'm taking. Well, I think the star example is a good example of potential education. I mean, it's yeah. not contem- uh, conventional, like you know, reading, writing, arithmetic. But I think that like educating yourself about where the stars are, like that's a good example of like a way you can use an app to like learn more about the world around you. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, it, it, that's that's one way, and it's really really neat. Um, another way is like through language education. A lot of people talk about how you, you know you're not in a, in a you're not in an environment that's super immersive. You don't have a lot of access to speakers. Um, and to the language itself in your day-to-day life, well, augmented reality can, you know, add that into your life. You go around, you know, using your phone, um, suddenly signs. Oh, and like, you mean like the Google, like the Google was supposed to have like a thing where like you tap a photo and it'll like give you information about the contents of the photo, but instead of like giving information in your native language, it'd be like, here's the definitions of some things like in, in your target language or something. Exactly. Yeah. So it, it has an interesting application in the sense that it would just, you know, um, it, it, you can use it to, to augment what, whatever is, ar- is around you, like use your environment, but add on a layer of, um, add on a layer to, to that, um, and kind of immerse yourself in, in another language. It, you know, there are so many possibilities, you know, we're, we're really just touching the tip of the iceberg here with what augmented reality can do, but I think it's really interesting.